Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Five seconds of music, shall we? So I got a special uh, short Friday edition of the podcast, and it's because today's guest, Dr. Judy Brangman, has something very timely and important that she is working on, and I wanted to share it with you guys. So it's going to be a real, real, real brief introduction and very little outro. So just a 37 minute conversation with Dr. Brangman. And here's the TLDR punchline. She has organized a plant based health summit called Reclaim Your Health Summit, uh, which is reclaimyourhealthsummit.com. And here is the big deal. It features a presenter list entirely comprised of people of color. So 18 doctors, a fitness expert and a registered dietitian. Um, and there are names that you will know and recognize and love Milton Mills, Columbus Batiste, Baxter Montgomery, Kim Williams, Terry Mason. And there are also people that you probably have not heard of. There is uh, a plant based physician who's also a dancer who uses movement with her patients to help bring about health. There's a whole world of health and healing and expertise that um, has not yet reached mainstream white plant based veg fest vegan events. And Dr. Judy Brangman is bringing them to us. Uh, we spent about five, 10 minutes talking about her and her background growing up in Bermuda and coming to the United States at the age of 19 to uh, further her education and what it was like to be a Bermudian and to not be African-American, but to be classified as black and how to deal with that and her own learning trajectory around understanding issues of race and health and uh, justice disparities. So this conversation is for you if you'd like to find out more about the summit, if you would like to attend, if you're interested in increasing representation of brown and black faces in the vegan plant based community, if you're interested in understanding not just the obvious racial racist disparities around policing, uh, around economic opportunity, but what, what that looks like in the healthcare system. What is it like to be a black doctor? What is it like to be a patient of color and how do those things happen differently um, and what we can do about them? The uh, the summit is action oriented. It's not just a, a sociological uh, experience, but what can we do about it as individuals and as a society? So with that, let's turn it over to the very good doctor, Dr. Judy Brangman. Welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Howard. I'm a fan of all of your work. I have your book and we've met several times. So I'm so excited to be here today. I know the only thing I'm sad about is because of COVID, we couldn't do it in person. I know yeah. we were supposed to, I was supposed to go to your studio and we were supposed to record it in person. Well, so hopefully soon. Yes. <laughs> um, but so we got something very important to talk about. Um, but before we do, I would love for you just to sort of introduce yourself and give a little background on who you are so people know who is sharing this important thing. Sure. So my name is Dr. Judy Brangman. I'm a wood certified internal medicine physician, and I'm also certified in lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition. And I'm currently working as a hospitalist. So that's a hospital-based physician. And through my platform and social media and public speaking, I use my platform to teach people the importance of eating healthy. 
living healthy so that they can reduce their chances of getting chronic diseases so that they can thrive and live longer lives. And my platform is the Plant-Based MD. So I've been plant-based myself for about six years and I've seen the health benefits of it. My patients have seen the health benefits as well as my parents. And I just want more people to realize the benefits so that they can live amazing lives as well. Great. And uh, you are an immigrant, right? I am originally from Bermuda. Yes. I don't actually Uh use the term immigrant per se. Well, yes, I'm actually an American citizen, technically. Uh Like long backhand story, but... I'm from Bermuda. That's where my family is, and that's where I grew up. My family still lives in Bermuda, so I still consider myself Bermudian, actually. Uh huh. So before we get into it, I'm just curious, when you came to the United States, did you see differences in your outlook um, between being Bermudian versus, like, African-American? Absolutely, and that is an interesting question. So just for your viewers... Um, So when I first came here, I was 19. I came here for college to finish college. And um, I really did not feel or know that I was black so much until I came to America. I know that sounds funny, but in my mind, I was and always think of myself as a Bermudian. And although race is important, I found that it was much more of an issue when I came to the U.S. So people would say things like, oh, you're lighter skinned. Like black people would say this. Oh, you're lighter skin. Are you mixed? Oh, your hair is softer or it's less curly. Are you mixed? And they would make these statements about skin color and race that was foreign to me. Mm. And then as I lived in the U.S. longer, I started to hear stories from African-Americans about their experiences here. And in my mind, being naive, I would say ignorant things like, Slavery ended a long time ago. Why are we still talking about this? And what are you guys talking about? And to me, I just thought it was just something that people were making race about everything when it really wasn't. Mm. And I've been in this country now for 20 years. And so over the years, I've come to actually realize that, no, they're not just imagining things. They're not just making this up. This is actually real. And Mm. I know this because I started to experience it. The first time I really became aware of it myself personally was not until residency, actually. I think I maybe was more naive, again, because I grew up in Bermuda and it just mostly everyone in Bermuda is Black. So I didn't really have, you know, that um, Mm -hmm. concept, I guess. It wasn't actually until residency when I was doing my first year of residency in Alabama, in Mobile, Alabama, a very rural area. So that was when it was basically thrown in my face. And I was like, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you, have, do you have an example? It's just, well, yeah, I had patients that were wanting to see a white doctor. Mm-hmm. That was new to me. Um, patients quite frequently that would be like, oh, when I walk in the room, right? Oh, uh, do you have my meal? Or, oh, you're the cleaning person. And I clearly have on a white coat, introduced myself as Dr. So-and-so, and it's still like a double take. And sometimes they look at me kind of like, oh, like they're surprised. Mm. So in Alabama, that happened a lot. It doesn't happen so much in the other cities that I've moved to since then, North Carolina and the D.C. area, where Alabama was very, very mm. racially um, charged. Mm. I wonder if that affected you differently than it would have affected an African-American who'd grown up with the consciousness of race and race differences and racial gradations from from day one. Absolutely. Well, I think for me, 
I am probably in a good position to bridge the two um, views on it. You know, there's people that don't have contact with people of color. And so they look at people of color that say X, Y, Z is race, and they probably think that they're just imagining things, right? I've been there, so I know what it feels like to think that. And so I absolutely do think that I do have a different view. I view people as what country they're from. And oddly enough, when you travel around the world as much as I have, other countries don't categorize people as African-American. When I'm overseas, I'm categorized as an American because of my accent. They don't think I sound Bermudian. That kind of bothers me slightly. But anyway, (laughs) they think I'm an American. Now, they may in their mind think of me as being Black, but the main thing is what country are you from? And so to Mm -hmm. me, even the term African-American has always been something that I really didn't quite understand. Like, why is there a difference? Why don't we say Caucasian American? And why do we say African American? I don't know. Those are just thoughts that I have. It just seems interesting because in Bermuda, we don't say white Bermudian and black Bermudian. Yeah. I guess, you like wherever you're from, there will be some sort of taxonomy that could be very different from the one that you know. Like when I went to England, I was clueless about differences because they were all based on accent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, like I, like I, and, and I wasn't part of that. It wasn't like they looked at me and said, oh, you're this class. Like mm-hmm. I, was, I was a, you know, a different bird completely, but I also couldn't tell that this person shouldn't be, you know, the boss of that person because they had, a, you know, an East End working class accent and the other person had a, a Midlands upper class right. Oxford accent. And then even for me, I, I would not experience as much racism as someone who's born in this country, just being quite honest, because Bermudians tend to have a different um, outlook. I don't, I don't know how to say this, but people tend to classify people of color differently based on where they're from. Like if they're from the Caribbean, I feel like they're viewed in a positive way. Mm. Whereas if they're from this country, I feel like they're viewed maybe in a little bit of a negative way. So I notice mm. a subtle difference. And um, it's interesting. Well, white people love Bob Marley. Right. (laughs) Right, Like, like, that's that's the accent you're supposed to have, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, they love the culture. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So let's, so uh, thank you for that introduction. Um, And you have just put together something that I think has never been done before. And this is one of these things, like the minute I saw it, I'm like, well, that's an obvious thing that needs to be done. And yet, until I saw it, it didn't occur to me that there hadn't been one. Can you describe what, 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 what you're working on that, uh, that people can get involved in like real soon? Absolutely. So on September 14th, I am launching a online plant-based health summit. It's called the Reclaim Your Health Summit. And I have gathered together 20 plant-based health experts that are all people of color to spread the message about plant-based nutrition, to talk about chronic disease prevention, as well as to discuss the context of food insecurity, food deserts, as well as healthcare uh, and racial bias. And this has become particularly important to me at this time because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And the data came out that showed that African-Americans are disproportionately affected by COVID, more likely to die from COVID compared to other 
groups, even more than Hispanics. If you look at the states that broke down data by race, Illinois, um, Chicago, um, Louisiana, I think were some of the states and cities that African-Americans were disproportionately affected. And then also there's the racial tensions that are coming about with, you know, um, Breonna Taylor and the other individuals that were recently um, killed by police. And it just became clear to me that people of color tend to gravitate to people of color. People of whatever skin color you are or what background you have, we tend to gravitate to people that look like us. Mm -hmm. And so if the plant-based message is the key to preventing chronic disease, which I believe it is, the evidence shows that. If plant-based message is the key to even reversing certain chronic diseases, then we need the people that are most at risk for dying from chronic diseases to see the message and to believe in it and to think that it's something for them. And I think right now in the vegan space, you don't really see as much people of color. However, people of color are actually the growing, uh, people of color are actually the group that is growing in numbers as far as veganism goes. But when you look at the conferences, the online health summits, and the, the major vegan plant-based organizations, you won't see very many people of color. If you have a summit, it may have 20 to 30 people, but only two people of color. So what does that mean? The individual that has diabetes, heart disease, that's African-American, that needs to become plant-based, they're not going to sign up for it. So I was like, you know what? I need to put together something that they would see and want to sign up for. And so I'm just glad that it came together in relatively short period of time and all of the speakers were on board they signed up and the presentations are really really good and the quality of it is excellent and so i'm just excited yeah so i have a question about the about the, the content itself from your perspective is is do you like what is is it was one thing more important than the other that there are you know faces of people of color representing this movement or is it also a different sort of cultural sensibility, like, you know, just to use a, um, you know, a sort of a gross overgeneralization, like the white people like to talk about quinoa, you know, <laughs> and, and avocado toast, whereas it, you know, like, like, are there, you know, are there cultural references that, are, that you hear over and over again that are, that are connecting with the audience you're trying to, to reach and, and help? Absolutely. So soul food is a concept that's brought up a lot. And the food that the indigenous people in the African continent eat is primarily plant-based. So oftentimes I will hear people of color say things like, oh, quinoa, vegetables. I don't like eating vegetables. That's nasty, right? But if you really want to talk about getting back to your culture, someone who's Black, right? And they want to talk about getting back to their culture, they will look and see what people on the continent of Africa eat. And it's primarily plant-based starchy foods. So that concept comes up a lot, breaking down the mindset that people have that says that vegan food is only for certain populations. Vegan food, plant-based food is for everybody. No matter what race you are, no matter what background you are, it's for everybody. And so that's the message that I want to bring home. And then also we focus on financial barriers that certain groups may have, minorities may have with regards to purchasing plant-based foods. A lot of times people think that plant-based foods is expensive. It's actually not, but we also present options for getting plant-based food reasonable. 
as well as cooking it flavorable. So several of the speakers have roots in Carib in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of them actually is from Liberia originally as well. So mm -hmm. we also talk about cultural ways to make food flavorable, flavorable that appeals to people from different countries as well. Mm -hmm. um, when you're talking about the financial barriers, right? Cl clearly, there's a wealth gap. Um, you know, it's, and it's getting bigger and bigger between you know white people and people of color, African Americans in particular, Americans in particular. But also, like I've caught myself when I'm coaching a group and there's a new a new group and I don't know any of them, and there's let's say a black woman in her fifties, I catch myself with a a racialist assumption that oh she maybe she doesn't have much money, <laughs> and like I you know when I catch it I'm like oh. Like, yeah, there's odds, but there's also human beings. And that's, that's not cool. You know, in the same, in the same way that someone assuming you're the orderly instead of the doctor isn't cool. How, how do you, how does the summit deal with the fact that yes, there are you know, economic disparities and we don't want this to be all about, you know, assuming that everybody's on SNAP or food stamps. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Not, um, I don't even really like the term minority so much because it sort of puts everyone that's labeled as a minority as though you're going to be economically disadvantaged. But again, that's one thing about the summit. They're all physicians that are um, notable. Um, several of them have research publications. Several of them are well-known speakers and that are also doing things in their communities to reach um, certain populations. So that alone will show people that not everyone that's brown is uh, disadvantaged. So when you started the process of uh, finding the speakers, how, how many of them did you already know? Because like I, I was looking like, you know, I, I could go through the, 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 the baseball cards of, you know, Colin Campbell, Neil Barnard, Esselstyn, Furman, Ornish, um, and I could name a few you know, African-American doctors, uh, you know, Terry Mason, Milton Mills, um, Matt Baxter Montgomery. But like, when I looked at your list, I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know most of these people. Like, did you, yeah. did, did you know them? Did you have to find them through referral? I, actually, I'm so glad you asked because that's the other thing that I noticed. About a year ago, I started to feel like, am I the only black vegan physician in the US? I would go <laughs> to conferences. I didn't see any of us speaking and I didn't see really any of us even attending very much. So I really started to seek out people on social media. So about a year ago, my social media really started to grow. And so I pretty much network heavily. It's just something that I do naturally. I'm just like a people person. So I'm always seeking out other vegan anybody, but then especially mm -hmm. black vegan female physicians, I really sought out. So I've been keeping a list of them for like several months now. Uh -huh. We planned that we would connect and do something and I didn't know what. And I really didn't actually reach out to everybody that was on my list until end of May. That's when I first reached out to everyone. And uh -huh. I have not met most of them in person, actually. Most of them I know on social media. Um, I know Milton. I've met him several times in person. Baxter is a mentor of mine, so I've met him virtually. I actually haven't met him in person. And yeah, I think those are the only two that I've actually met in person, but we've become friends over the past few months. And I was just excited that some of the people that are not notorious for speaking, Dr. Kim Williams, um, 
as well as Terry Mason, who neither uh-huh. of them did I know, but I got connected with them through other people. Uh-huh. Did, um, especially the, peop- the people who are less well-known, um, were they aware of how many others there were, or did they also feel like you, like, am I the only one doing this? Oh, as far as other physicians out there? Other, yeah, other physicians of color, or I mean, they're not all, they're, they're, are they all oh, physicians? Actually, most of them are physicians, except two. One is a fitness trainer, bodybuilder, a coach. Oh, and Cor- Corin. Yeah, Corin. And then Kim Rose is a dietitian. Okay. So, yes, the other physicians really didn't know about the rest of us. And I posted to Instagram recently, before I started planning this, how many of you know any black vegan physicians? And most of them said only me. Well, they said only one or two and the names that kept coming up is um, Montgomery, Mills, Williams, and I think Columbus uh-huh. Batiste, but that was pretty much it. But there were no women. Yeah. So that's why it was important for me to have women as well, because women do the cooking in the family. Women mm-hmm. tend to lead the way as far as what the family is going to eat. Women play a huge role in the children. So women needed to see women <laughs> in order to embrace it as well, I believed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm looking through this this list here. I mean, I, I can imagine you know if you guys got on a a Slack channel or a private Facebook group, like that would be like really important for for a lot of for a lot of you to to have a tribe and and to sort of you know begin to create um, you know not just networks but policy. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for some of that. Like I say, some of them are doing work in their own community with regards to policy and are doing research. And you would never know. Like, I've learned so much from interviewing them. Some of them have books that I had no idea that they have books. So they're just, like, Mm -hmm. humbly working and doing things. And so I'm just so excited to help bring them to the forefront. You know, my name is starting to become more seen, I guess, the plant-based world. But there are other people that are doing great things, too. And so this summit is really just a start, I think. It's a start of something great. Um, I'm planning to launch my diabetes coaching program after the summit. Mm -hmm. But there's so many opportunities for us to do things with the group um, going forward. Uh, Columbus Batiste and Eric Walsh are doing presentations themselves called Slave Food. And basically, they touch on food and whatnot. So there are a lot of different things that people are doing. um, But my goal is to reach an even larger audience than all of them individually. Yeah. I, I, I just have big dreams, but I'm just that kind of person. I'm mm-hmm. like a big dreamer. I'm like, this is my first summit, but I still had high expectations for it. And so mm-hmm. I just hope that people's mm-hmm. lives are changed and that more people become plant-based as a result of it. Yeah. And one of the things I'm thinking about this is, you know, a, a, uh, a summit or events, you know, when, when we start doing live events again, that are led by people of color is very different from what it is now. So you have, you know, all of the, all of the famous plant-based black doctors have been sort of filtered and anointed by the white establishment. So it's almost like, you know, if Martin Luther King in the 60s was like one of three speakers on social justice who were, you know, that the, the unions had chosen or the, you know, some group of white, like white progressives in Chicago. And that's kind of the place, you know, in the African-American plant-based community. It's like, you know, who gets put on the, the, the stages run by white people? And this, this feels like the beginning of something much more grassroots and direct. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I have always wanted, actually. I didn't know that it would come together like this. In-person health retreats and events, you know, there are several that are put on by other organizations. And if you look at the audience, they're mostly um, Caucasian people, very few, if any, are people of color. So the summit that I'm doing, I have Dr. Tinka Barnes. She's a dancer. She's a physician as well. And she actually is incorporating dance in movement. We talk about African dance and how Mm. that is a good form of exercise for you. So things that are relatable to that specific population is super, super important. And also we're very non-judgmental. I was very particular to make sure that the content was not vegan, 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 but more whole food plant-based, eat more fruits and vegetables. That really is the bottom line that I want people to take home. You do not have to have a label of whatever it is, but I'm sure any change that anyone makes that watches the summit to eat more vegetables is a step in the right direction. And so also it's important to see medical doctors sharing this information. This is something else that you uh, and several people may not know, but I'm in a lot of black vegan groups and there's a lot of misinformation in general on the internet everywhere But then also I want to make sure that the information that this particular audience is getting is from sources that they feel that they can trust. Mm. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I wanted to ask you about, because right now we're living in such a polarized world where, you know, you, you have to really toe your party line or else you're going to get pilloried and ostracized. But like if you say, well, maybe New York is approaching herd immunity, then you are an anti-masking, you know, COVID hoaxer who also believes 5G and vaccines are like you have to be on. And, you know, I understand the, the, the fault lines in my community. But I also know in the in the black community, there are different fault lines and there's a lot more distrust of Western medicine from things like Tuskegee, from, you know, there, um, a study came out, what, two weeks ago that a black baby is three times more likely to die when uh, attended by a white physician than a black physician. That there's, there's, you know, and, you know, there's a, a long tradition of sort of, you know, herbalism and like Dr. Sebi mm-hmm. is considered you know, honorable in the black community and a quack by most of the white community. Like, are, what, what sorts of misinformation do you feel are harmful and what things are maybe not scientifically validated, but still culturally important? Yeah, so I'm so glad that you bring that up. So Dr. Sebi, some of, uh, a lot of the things that he says are actually not founded in evidence from what I've read. Um, there seems to be a common belief that you don't need to go to the doctor. So the distrust that you mentioned, a lot of people that are black and vegan think that they don't need to go to the doctor because they're vegan and they don't like taking medicines. But that's something else that we reiterate several times in this summit is you need to see your doctor at least once a year to get a physical. If you're vegan, you need to be taking a B12 supplement. I do not care if you're taking um, nutritional yeast, CMOS, all these other things that people think or fortified foods Get your level checked. It's so simple and easy to get a B12 level. And then also another thing that people of color tend to assume is that, and I used to think this too growing up in Bermuda, that I don't need to wear sunscreen because I'm brown. But that's not true at all. Brown people still need to wear sunscreen and we still very well could be vitamin D deficient, even if we're spending a lot of time in the sun. 
And so one of the speakers is a dermatologist. She's excellent, Dr. Heather Woolley Lloyd. And she basically breaks all of this down. She talks about sunscreen. She talks about how the sun affects our skin. She even talks about how food affects our skin, the food that we eat. It was very, very fascinating for me because I had not heard a lot of these things that she was sharing. And even a lot of some of the things that the speakers were sharing too, I learned a lot. So it definitely was an eye opener. I even have a podiatrist that talks about skin cancer and feet. She shows pictures of the skin. And oftentimes black people don't think that a brown spot could be cancer. We're not mindful of it like mm. white people are. Like you guys, like um, people that are fairer skin tend to be more conscious of skin cancer and skin conditions. And I think in the black community, mm. There seems to be a belief that we can't get skin cancer. Mm. Which you mentioned Bob Molly earlier, and he actually died from skin cancer. Mm. There was an article like this week in the Washington Post about the problem with dermatology education. Like most of the pictures are white people. Like doctors are, are not are not trained to identify uh, skin issues in people mm -hmm. without uh, fair skin. That's a, that is. Absolutely true. And Dr. Heather Woolery Lloyd talks about that too. And I noticed that when I was in training, a lot of the pictures for any medical condition were not brown skin. So we need more brown people in the research. We need more brown people in the pictures. And then healthcare providers need to be more aware of how skin conditions manifest differently in people of color. So this summit is also relevant to healthcare providers. It's geared for the general population. So of course the research is mentioned and the science is mentioned, but it's also understandable so that the average person can understand it. And then we know that most medical professionals just being real, don't know anything about nutrition or plant-based nutrition. So I'm sure they will learn tons too, as well, even if they are a medical doctor in the Western traditional medical system. Mm. So you have, um five um, bullet point reasons for people to sign, to sign up for the summit. And we should say what the, what the uh, URL is. Yeah. For, so, so why don't you say it now and then we'll repeat it at the end. Yeah. So the website is reclaimyourhealthsummit.com and you can sign up there. It takes a few seconds, enter your email, your name, and you will be in. All right. So the first two bullets are you know, for me, from my perspective, sort of standard, right? Wake up every morning feeling happier, less stressed, fulfilled, having more energy. Got it. Like that's universal. Second one, similarly, a community of plant-based health experts who want you to thrive and live well. Like say it to anyone. Third one, if you wish there were more brown, black and brown people in the plant-based space. So I'd love that. And, you know, you and I met at the, the, uh, the Triangle Veg Fest, which yeah. I think, which I think did a fantastic job. Yes, they had a panel. They that was amazing. Dr. Mills was on that, and Helene that plans that event. She's amazing. Right, and um, and it took you know, uh, it took Queenie to kind of slapping Helene around to get her to realize you know, and she said this publicly, <laughs> um, like, what do you mean diversity? We have doctors and nurses, and, and she's like, no, 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 diversity. Yeah. Um, like what is the, um, for, for, for my uh, non-people of color audience, what's the benefit of that? Why, why do we care? Well, we should care because the African-American population are twice as likely to die from heart disease compared to white non-Hispanics. They're more likely to die from COVID than white non-Hispanics. 
So they are using up more healthcare resources for themselves. And then from a system standpoint, you know, looking at a percentage of that particular population. So I think any community is only as strong as their weakest person, so to speak. And of course, there are disadvantaged people of all races. We know that for sure. But um, the lack of trust in the healthcare system presents an issue because people of color tend to go to the doctor later for conditions that they should have been seen sooner for. They tend to not even be as open and transparent in the visit. So they may not tell you that they're not taking their blood pressure medication or that they can't afford it. So there's so many different nuances that you would not even know about unless you really sit down and listen with someone. And this summit is opportunity for you to listen to doctors telling you what the patients feel, what we feel without you having to necessarily ask your patients. Mm, beautiful. So are you, do you know if you're getting um, white doctors to sign up for this? Cause it sounds important. They should, they should be getting a lot of CMEs for this. I don't know because I haven't, I'm, there's no way for me to tell, you know, what, background anyone is of signing up but we have almost a thousand signups so far so and we've just started you know promoting it so i think it's going well and i'm just starting to share with my physician groups this today and yesterday okay great so the, the fourth bullet point is if you would like to learn how racism healthcare disparities and food deserts adversely affect the health of minorities so i'm curious about that as a bullet point because if i'm i'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who wants to get healthy like the last thing I want to hear about is problems, obstacles, things that are going to make me mad, right? So what was, the, what was your thinking in including those negatives? And, you know, especially in this, you know, these days, Jacob Blake, mm-hmm. uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, more than we can name. What, do you see a relationship between sort of the anger and, and helplessness that can... That the, you know, the, the, and the traumas that those events can cause and taking control of something? Absolutely. That's exactly the thought that went behind it because I felt people's pain. I felt that people were feeling hopeless, like there's nothing that they can do. You know, we saw um, the videos. We see the videos and then there's no arrest. And then you feel like, well, what can you do? And so then people are protesting. And so... They're trying to get justice of some kind for these killings that are happening. And what I'm about to say may not be as popular, but what people don't realize is that some of us are killing ourselves with our own fork. So I can get mad at someone else for killing me because my own black or they kill my mother because she's black or something. But what about me killing my own self with my own fork? And I'm not saying it to place blame on the individual, but most people don't realize the importance of food. They don't think that food and disease is a direct relationship. They think it's kind of like a casual relationship, but it's actually more like a direct cause and effect, I believe. And that's a common theme in the presentation. So at the end of it, I really want people who may be feeling a loss of control, loss of uh, power to feel empowered. And that's, that's my tagline, get empowered and learn. So basically, that's what I want people to come away with feeling, oh, you know what? Being plant-based is not as difficult as I think it is. Being plant-based is actually something that I can do. Let me eat one more vegetable today. You know, simple. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm wondering about sort of the making it normal and normative 
in a community? Because I mean, I know people from all different cultural, ethnic, racial backgrounds for whom going plant-based or vegan meant that they were ostracized, right? Like, uh, you know, my business partner, Josh from New Orleans, from, from uh, the, yeah. the Bayou, right? For him to say, hey, I'm vegan, I'm not going to eat that stuff, cut him off. And I'm wondering, you know, in, in mainstream Black America, is, is that as, as big a problem as it is in a lot of other communities with, where, where you're, you, know, you want to know, hey, there's 5,000, 10,000 other people like me who signed up for this, and we can start making it more normal? Yeah, that's a great question. And I find that it's not so much you're ostracized for it. I really do think that humans know that we need to eat more vegetables. I really do believe that deep inside, people know that. And so when they see you doing it, the negative reaction they may have may actually be stemmed from themselves feeling guilty because they're not living that. And then actually one of the speakers, Dr. Kadira Huff, she um, is Muslim actually. She talks about her parents who were plant-based and how for them it was considered revolutionary. It was their way of taking a stand and doing something different that other people were not doing that could help them to live healthier and so that's something that's brought up too in the summit as well mm. anything else you want to let people know that i haven't asked about so yes just that the summit is free it runs over seven days the video presentations is interview style with me and the speaker some of them do have powerpoint slides and there will be three presentations per day you will have up to 48 hours to watch them and then we also have a Facebook page. Once you register, um, you join the Facebook group. We will be having additional conversations and questions and some more interaction with the speakers as well. So it's going to be a fun, informative week. And the website, again, is reclaimyourhealthsummit.com. All right. Well, I will include a link to the show notes. I think um, so. Uh, we're, we're talking Friday the 6th. Is, I, I have no idea what to say. 4th, maybe. Mm -hmm. Today, yeah. Today. <laughs> uh, so I, want, I, want, I want to publish this right away. So okay. uh, we'll give people the maximum. So people can sign up right now. Yeah. And uh, they'll get a confirmation and then it'll start in a, in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So awesome. So I'm just going to, you know, fast track this, get it out there. We'll do a special, awesome. be a spe special Friday edition. And I just want to thank you so much because it feels like, you know, you stepping in. Um, and I don't know the behind the scenes. I'm sure you worked crazy hard, but it, feel, it feels like the universe was waiting for someone to do this. That this is you know, you've got such an incredible lineup. You've got so many signups already. There's it's such a moment for this conversation and for this contribution to to you know communal, national, and planetary health. I just really want to thank you and 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 honor you for for putting it together and really thank you. Th thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much. I do think there was some divine for sure involved with the idea. You know, I tend to get ideas and then I can't sleep on it and then I have to do it. And it always is a success. So that was with my journey to even become a physician in the first place. So I do think that, you know, God, mm -hmm. um, I have to give credit for pretty much everything. And I was able to find, um, team members, video editor, web developer, uh, coach that really came together to help bring my vision to life. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching the presentations and I encourage everybody to 
go sign up if you're interested. And uh, again, Dr. Judy Brangman, thank you so much for all you do and for taking the time today. Thank you so much, Howard. And thank you so much for all that you do as well. It was my pleasure. All right. Another one in the can. I hope you'll go sign up for that again. It's uh, reclaimyourhealthsummit.com. Let me know what you think of this conversation. If you'd like to watch us, we YouTubed as well. And so you can see that at plantyourself.com slash four two six, as well as find a link to the summit from there. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. We'll do gardening news, running news, all that stuff. Thanks, of course. Thanks to Will Ridenour. Let's bring in the Sabali Dawn, the Dance of Peace right now to take us out. Check out willridenour.com for more of his beautiful Kora music. If you'd like to hire me as your health coach, just go to plantyourself.com slash laser and you can read all about a year of laser coaching. If you'd like to become a health coach and study uh, at my feet, ugh. Never mind. I didn't say that. Study with me. You can do so. Check it out at wellstartcoach.com. That's it for this week. See you guys next week. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>